Trouble by Taylor Swift here on the Coco and Coco show live on Red Radio. So, um, you know, we are nearing the end of our show, but before we go, I feel that you know, with all this talk about music and impressions and accents and Chloe's literal epic. I'm not doing it. Epic. No. Donald no, McDonald no, no. impression. Chloe, I no, implore no, no. you to I do it. I can't Chloe, do it. Chloe, the Chloe, Chloe. It's so Chloe, hard to do it. Chloe. Chloe. Okay, wait. Let me try. Okay, wait. Let me try. <laughs> Hard to freaking do it through the mask. Okay, wait. <laughs> it's so hard because it sounds like worse yeah, through like the mask. Your Mickey Mouse one was revolting. The guys? only reason. Wait, yeah, <laughs> you guys. What? Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I'll try. I'll try. How's it going, bro? No. <laughs> Just established that we cannot, and I mean, cannot, um, do any of <laughs> In my head, it was so much better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you hear the voice in your head, you're like, Yeah, no, I can do it, I can do it. And then, because I was like, I'm gonna do my Mickey Mouse. In my head, it is so good. It's so good. Hi, you guys, I'm Mickey Mouse. Hi, you guys, welcome to the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Um, anyways, I just think that all impressions done by Chloe win. Like, that was amazing. Yeah, now it's just on the 10 out of 10. Yeah, but before we go, you know, I honestly don't know. You know what? I'll think about it and I'll tell you next week. Are you tell me next week? Okay. Yeah. I'll talk about it. My show would be Anaconda. Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> oh my face. <goodness. laughs> Literally. No, I see that. I see that. I it see that. So like, imagine like me just walking. My Anaconda. Like imagine if you walk everywhere and that song playing. My Anaconda dope. Yeah, no, my you know. Anaconda dope. But anyways, before we, um, I know we've had a lot of fun today with all these impressions and jokes, so let us end off the show with a wonderful, funny joke of the day, y'all. Oh, uh, like, oh. Please make it good this time. I deserve to laugh. <laughs> all good. Okay. Um, what do you call a canine magician? No idea. Elaborate cadaver door. That's low-key kind of funny.
are on the run, but they're happy you are with them. Stay tuned. Up next on Red Radio. We're live on Red Radio. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello everyone! Oh, and hello Sir, who's just joined us in studio. Guys, it's a very, very special David and Ali on the run this week. David, do you want to take it away? So guys, today we're talking about human rights. Um, In in commemoration of Human Rights Day, we'll be discussing a whole bunch of things. What is human rights? um, Where did it come from? And diving into really the the depths of, of human rights in a democracy, human rights in, in places that are not a democracy. And it's going to be really interesting. So stay tuned. And you can also join us if you'd like to tune in on our Google Meet. Please uh, ring us a call and we'll chat to you. All I am is a man.
that my left hand needs to waste. And then I watch your face, put my finger on your tongue, cause you love the taste, yeah. These hearts adore, everyone they ever be tired of for. Inside this place is warm, outside is our Alright, guys. Um, we would like to begin our human rights podcast. Podcast? No, present. Ali, I'm losing my words here. Please help me. Broadcast. Broadcast. There we go. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, and we're so pleased to have Mr. Jurassic in studio with us. Um, so, so I would like to begin with an opening discussion about what human rights is. Um, would you like to would kick us off with what human rights is to you? Yeah, guys. Thanks so much for having me on the program. I feel quite privileged that you've invited me on to talk about <laughs> something like this that is is so important. Um, I do feel that we've had some experience together. Um, I think when we did our life orientation course, I think we did deal with human rights. Um, And for me, you know, it's really um, going back a little bit, if I can talk about the history of human rights. um, We need to understand that human rights really came about out of a necessity um, when we came to the end of World War II. And we will understand that within World War II, there were a lot of human rights abuses. Um, And I think when the world came together after such a traumatic period and the United Nations was formed, there was this need to actually base the United Nations on on some some premise. And so they came up with the, you know, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And I think, you know, if we look at their articles, it will give us a good starting point because it basically says in Article 1, all human beings are born free uh, and equal in dignity and rights. Now, that's that's quite an a a very powerful statement that we are all born free uh, and equal in dignity and rights and we are endowed with reason and conscience and should act towards one another in the spirit of brotherhood. That can take us onto a whole discussion. But Article 2, I think, says what it really is. Everyone is entitled to all the rights and freedoms set forth in this declaration without distinction of any kind, such as race, color, sex, language, religion, political or other opinion, national or social origin, property, birth, or other status. Furthermore, no distinction shall be made on the basis of the political jurisdiction or international status of the country or territory to which a person belongs, whether it be independent, trust, non-self-governing, or under any other limitation of sovereignty. So everyone has the right to life, liberty, and security of person and when we talk about universal universal inalienable interconnected indivisible and non-discriminatory we talk about human rights belong to all people human rights cannot be taken away and that's really important a human right is not a privilege 
You're not privileged to have human rights. Everybody is born with these human rights. And human rights are dependent on each other. And that's really important. And human rights cannot be treated in isolation. And that human rights should be respected without prejudice. So I think that gives us an idea of what human rights are. What's really important is why we still then live in a world where human rights are actually not accepted in, in many countries and even within our own country. Um, you know, the whole issue, if we look at now, just the whole idea of freedom of education at our universities, that is a whole debate in itself. If, if, if students are not allowed to access education, um, are the human rights being taken away from them? Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's an interesting point. Um, when you started, you said it's a universal declaration of human rights. So do we think that human rights should be universal, like within every single country should be the same because different countries operate differently, right? They have different cultures, they have different faiths, um, they have different beliefs. And even with that whole idea of um, human rights, it is a human right to, to have free education or is it a human right to be educated? In a lot of contexts in the world, that, that is not possible, right? That is, that is not a feasible um, right to give people because only the top echelon of people are able to get educated. So then are human rights then different based on the, the context or the society that you're in? And is that a, a just statement to make, would you say? Mm. So I think on the one point, David, you make, you make some very good points there. Uh, I think the first one is even if we can't reach those human rights because maybe certain countries don't have the ability, doesn't mean it's not something we should aspire towards as a human right. So even if in South Africa we might say, but we don't have the money for everyone to, go, to be educated, we might say, well, we need to aspire to that because everyone's human right is to be able to be educated. Um, I think your, where, where your point is interesting is, you know, we have to look at when, the, when, the uni when, when, when it was put together as universal rights. It was mainly, you know, a small group of Western countries that came up with what these human rights are going to be, not really taking into account the inclusivity of other areas of the world, the religions, cultures, ethnicities, um, traditional belief systems, etc. Those are not always taken into account. And you know how we then get ourselves into a lot of trouble by trying to universalize something where our cultures and our belief systems are not always universal. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think that's a, yeah. So Dave, just to touch on your point, um, obviously there's the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, but I'm sure everyone knows this, but we have our South African Bill of Rights in which our human rights are enshrined into. So for me, I don't know, there's a nice little website I found yesterday, which I know we spoke about, which is 15 human rights you should know. And the most important one is, generally speaking, the right to equality. And I personally can't see, an, well, I do see an issue, but I can't see why universally everyone should not be exposed to equality. I don't know if that makes sense. Why universally we can't agree, okay, my human right as an individual is equality. And so for me personally, the most important human right has to be equality. And then you have human dignity. And like Mr. Jurassi spoke about, um, human rights protect us as, as human beings and they can't be taken away from us. But yet every single day, human rights are violated. Yeah. And I think as a woman in South Africa specifically, I mean, my, my human rights could be violated at any given moment. Mm. So for me, just pondering on these thoughts and thinking about this, how do we then establish whose human rights are more important and whose yeah. aren't, because clearly there is this differentiation yeah. between certain people are more privileged to their human rights. I don't know if anyone has an answer to that. I, I think it's very interesting because I, 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 I would like to believe that human rights are an objective thing, that everyone has a right to ABC. 
people don't believe people don't believe the same thing as me so an interview was done with the president of kenya by cnn two years ago and um it was it was quite a shocking interview if you watch it because um he was being interviewed by an american interviewer and they were talking about gay rights and um the president was quoted saying gay rights of no importance in kenya right and he went on um talking about the kenyan society kenyan culture and what that is and i looked into the comment section and people were saying um let let our society operate how our society works and don't try and force western norms or what western people think is right into an african context and i thought that was very interesting because when i'm thinking i'm like of course gay rights are of importance in kenya that's my home country and if i were to go back to kenya and i had a gay friend of course you know their human rights are the same as my human rights um but is it is, is it okay for me to then push that belief onto the rest of kenyan society yeah, it's, it's a really difficult one, David, because, again, we, ha- we have to kind of look at who makes the laws and who decides on certain things. And, 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 the, and this issue on gay rights could be the same for women's rights, depending on where you come from. There are certain countries that treat women very differently to, to possibly the way a Western kind of culture would look at rights. Um, and often, though, when you speak to women in those cultures, they will say, no, but our rights are being protected. It's just different. You as a Western person just don't understand it. Mm. But let's deal with the, with the rights, say, for instance, on, 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 on gay rights. You know, I suppose a lot has to be on who in society has power to make the laws mm. and to make the mm. decisions. Mm. And as you know, we've often discussed that generally along the totem pole of power are white, straight males. Right? And so a lot of society's norms are based on a kind of Western, white, male idea of the world. And it's all embodied in, in, in power. Who has the power? And we've all been involved in those kind of situations where, yes, you know, um, I think what you said earlier, Ali, is, is human rights often is, is given to those people who have access to privilege, Right. So you might say that white males dominate and have more access to the privilege that those rights give us. Um, The problem when we have, you know, when we talk about um, putting it onto Kenyan um, society, you know, don't 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 put your your ideas onto Kenyan society. We then have to start looking at. But, you know, what is Kenyan society and what are the what, what is Kenyans? You know, do all Kenyans think exactly in the same way? Or is it the powerful people at the top of Kenyan society who have decided that gay rights are not Kenyan, right? Nobody has spoken to the Kenyans who are gay who are kind of saying, okay, well, we get this. But isn't that what what human rights are all about? That although I'm not part and parcel of maybe the majority, what happens to my rights as an individual? And so we then start to talk about the difference between individual rights and group rights, right? Who makes the decision as to what is more important, our group rights in terms of, well, this fits well within the way we see the world, and your individual right as an individual person, as a woman, as a gay person, as a black person, as anyone who is in a minority. So in Kenyan society, um, I would imagine to a large extent that gay people are in a minority in the same way as black people would be a minority in America. So who has the rights there to make decisions? And I suppose universal rights is about protecting people who don't have access to the power that that other people have it's difficult because not all people 
you know, we can take the Kenyan context. Not all people in Kenya might believe the same thing. Yeah. You know, so Thank you me. might find a section of the people believe in gay rights. We should celebrate gay rights and we should fight for gay rights. And a section of the people like, no, we agree with the president. Um, please don't bring your Eurocentric or your Western um, norms into our country and let us live how we've been operating for the last few hundred years. Yeah, yeah because um, you, could, you could argue that human rights are very much so based on European standards and mm, norms. Mm. I mean, what effect has Europe and colonial culture had an effect on even South Africa's human rights? Mm. And, and that's quite important that's as well. Interesting, interesting thing to debate. I think we're all indoctrinated in a sense. I mean, my human rights as a 17-year-old South African female should technically be the same as yours, David, and yours, Thomas, because we're, we're born in the same year. We've had very similar yeah. life experience. Yeah. But I can guarantee that we probably all differ on our stances because of our religion, of our culture, of our families, of whatever other factor that can contribute to it. So I, I, I'm really intrigued by your point on, you know, half of Kenya might say this mm. and half of Kenya might say that. But I think sitting in this room, half of us would say one thing and the other half would say another. That's quite an interesting point that you bring up because um, should, should, should uh, a female person and a male person have the same human rights, right? Because if we look um, in certain European countries, I think it's uh, Denmark or Sweden, women are given a certain amount of time off from work, paid leave, um, if they are pregnant, right? And I think only until recently that, that, that same right was given to, to men um, as the same amount of time. But I think previously, women had an extended period of time um, to get off work. And is that, is that right? Is that, a, is that something that you know, we, should, we should change, that human rights should be equal for everyone? Mm -hmm. Or does it depend on your different contexts, as, as you mentioned earlier? I mean, is it okay for even, say, government? I mean, we put so much power in the government. I mm. mean, the government holds so much power that they decide how my life should be lived and how what is right and what is wrong. I mean, I think it also I mean, wears that connection between morals and having human rights because in a lot of places and in a lot of the time, that connection is not there. Yeah, for sure. I, look, I think I, we could bring it right back to home then. I mean, we could look at where... Human, human Rights Day comes from. I mean, it's, it, 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 Human Rights Day commemorates, you know, 69 people who were basically shot in the back at Sharpsville for protesting and asking for their human rights and their rights to be able to, specifically, I would imagine at that time, I could be wrong here, to be able to have access to be able to move freely within their own country. Um, you know, and that is a universal human right that you should be able to move freely within your own country uh, you, you you know you shouldn't be told where you have to live mm. and so you know the the white dominated government of that time in their way of thinking they might have thought at that time you know they were superior um, this is the way our life is um, they they did not see black people as being on the same level almost of humanity in terms of where they of they were they, they were and so they brought about draconian laws that were absolutely not based and did not um, subscribe to universal human rights. And that is why many countries in the world boycotted South Africa because they recognized that these were not in, you know, living with the, with the, with, with, with the idea of universal inalienable rights. Um, and so 69 people get shot and get murdered as they're running away. Uh, but at that particular time, you would have had the white government sa saying, that you know they were asking for things that that they should never have got right and yeah. uh, now we look back on the on time and and we say but but they were so wrong there might come a time in kenyan society 
where Kenyans will look back and say, well, we were so wrong, right? And sometimes only history tells us that. I, I think the only way we can kind of look at these things is, is to live our own lives by what we aspire to and what we feel is correct. And believe you me, we've all learned from experience that we get ourselves very angry about things like rights and about who we are and what we are owed and what should happen and what our rights actually are. And I think, you know, that's, that's where we go wrong. But I, I think this conversation goes very much around, and David, you brought it up at the beginning. We're, we're trying to come up with, a, with universal rights, but we're not universal in our thinking. So how do we have universal very rights? I think uh, after the break, I'd like to touch more on that and get into this whole idea of should religious texts play a part in determining our human rights in a society where everyone believes a different thing. And I think that'll be a very interesting conversation. David and Ali on the run. On Red Radio. If you want to join the conversation, you can join our Google Meets at the code Red Radio. So you can join that. It's open for any radio students who'd like to join.
It's Dua Lipa. Check out my new song on Red Radio. And this is my station, the hit music station. Ready to go. All right, all right, all right. Well, guys, we're back with our human rights broadcast. There we go. I got it right, Ali. So, Ali, I want to start you off on this. Yes, Dave. Um, what, what part do you think religion has to play? Firstly, in like determining our morality, and I think that then links to, 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 de- to determining what human rights people should have. So, correct me if I'm wrong, I actually don't have much knowledge on this situation. But my understanding is that living in South Africa, I follow the South African Constitution and the South African Bill of Rights. And being a Catholic South African, my Bible comes as a second place. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm coming across legally speaking correctly, but under the South African government, I follow their constitution mm. and religion falls almost like a second place to mm. that. And so in terms of how does religion, what was your question, play a part in my morality? Yeah, or, or yeah, and then we'll lead to... So obviously we all follow a little set of rules um, when it comes to religion. And, you know just to name a few from the Bible and the Ten Commandments, you know, thy shall not lie, um, thy shall not steal. Very basic kind of instructions, if you will, um, on how to be Catholic. Mm. And so when comparing, I don't know if I'm coming across the way I want to here, but comparing the Bible almost to the South African constitution, is that the way you're kind of coming across with this question? So the the reason I'm asking is because, you know, I'm trying to, because from my point of view, is I don't think that a society can be governed by a single religious text just because everybody believes the same thing and because people are, are faulty people. You know, the Bible says that everyone sins, you know. And um, even having said that, if, you, if we were to look at the constitution that was, the first constitution that was made by, um, in America, when they first came to America, um, in it writes, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, right? Um, And yet they still had slaves. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's just, it's a difficult concept for me to grasp because I do know that our human rights over the past century and the the way that we operate has been governed so much by religion. um, But yet it's not really, it's not really authentic. It's not really um, abiding by these religious texts, if that that makes sense. Even if we look at South Africa in context of apartheid, a lot of what was done was, you know, they would hold up the Bible and they'd say, well, look, the Bible supports this. This yeah. is, you know, you can't argue with us because God says this is okay. Yeah. And so I think it's very interesting that you brought that up. You know, America said all men are equal, but then had slavery yeah. um, in the same sense that, you know, the Bible says we are all equal and, mm. you know, under God's eyes, we're all the same. But then we had a legal system which mm. completely separated races and completely dehumanized people. So then, yeah. I don't know. So what's your opinion on this? <laughs> Look, I, I think when you're dealing with religion, we touch on very emotional issues about religion because there are people that are incredibly religious, um, but also have uh, an incredible, um, because of their religion, have an incredible understanding of humanity and human beings and all of those type of things, right? So I think, you know, that's really important. So I think in this conversation, it, it needs to be stated right at the beginning that I'm, I will never, I'm never ever bashing religion um, because I, I, I think religion plays a very, very important role. Where, where my, my, my argument comes in is that I think, you know, religion and the Bible, while I think it was inspired by whatever, 
you know, God someone believes in, I still believe that it was written by men. Okay? And if you look at it in the time of the way the Bible was written, it is very, very centered on the power of male and in particular white males. Mm. Right? Now, whether that was the time, whether that had happened, etc., if the Bible was written today, I think we'd have a very different kind of Bible. Mm. I think we would have still, we would, we'd still talk about love and we'd talk about goodness and humanity, but we might not have slavery in the Bible any longer. Mm. So, I mean, it makes it very difficult when you say universal human rights states specifically that you cannot own another human being, yet in the Bible, people owned human beings. Mm. Because at that particular time, it was not seen as something that was wrong. Mm. It was part, and because the Bible was written in a particular time period, then it was written according to the norms and the morals of that time at that particular space. So when we look back and we you know, reflect on those times, is it right for us to say that, no, that was wrong? Just like how in 100 years, um, we might look back you know, at South Africa in, in, in the context of 2021 and say, how wrong is it for you know, the majority of South Africans um, to still be disenfranchised because of apartheid? They're still living under the, the poverty line or whatever. Is, is, you know, can, can we judge... Can we judge the mistakes of our past because now that now we've learned new things or is that just something that we need to accept? We accept that it's happened and we try and improve on it. Yeah. I, I th I, from my perspective, I think that as part of human beings in our evolution, we have to be able to look at the past and criticize it where we think it was wrong. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm not specifically criticizing, you know, people in their particular time and their framework and what was, you know, meant to be. But I think... You know, we, we have to look at the past. We have to look at, 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 at the slave owners in America. We have to look at people who owned slaves during biblical times and within our time say that that was wrong. Mm. It wasn't right. Um, we've got to take the good out of the Bible. You know, I often talk about because, I mean, I grew up in a, in a although I'm Jewish, um, I, I, you know, I went on scripture union camps because m a lot of my friends were, were, were devout Christians. Mm. And I grew up in a household that it, it, it really wasn't a problem. And I, and I went on a lot of, 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 of scripture union camps. And, and I kind of look, if I look, at a, if I look at a man like Jesus, right, I only see goodness coming out of this man. Mm. Right? I don't see, you know, Jesus didn't own slaves. Mm. Jesus looked at people that had sinned and he forgave them and he understood their frailties and he understood their imperfections. Um, those parts of the Bible, I think, are amazing things to learn from. Mm. I think, unfortunately, though, um, people will look at the Bible and will look at, you know, those kind of things and then they will mold it according to their belief system at their particular time. Mm. So I, I, I think the Bible, the Quran, um, you know, the Torah, these are all good books, um, but we can still look at them from a modern perspective mm. and say there's some things here that need a bit of debate. Mm. And that is why I think you have reform religions who have slowly reformed certain things to fit in mm. with mm. today's world. And I think we have to learn from those things. I think what's really interesting, and to bring it back to a Human Rights Day approach, is I'm a firm believer in that cliched historical saying of, you know, if we don't learn history, we're doomed to repeat it. And so to just go back to what David was saying, I think it's so important that we're able to look back and criticize and judge and be held accountable to what we may have said or done or believed in the past. Mm. Because I think you're absolutely right in saying that, you know, 
we'll look back in 10, 20, 30 years time and we'll say, how on earth could we have believed that in 2021? Mm. In the same way that we look back at, you know, 25 years ago in South Africa and we're like, whoa, how, how did that happen? How could people have just let that happen? Um, but I know we have to get into the news very shortly. So I don't know if anyone has some closing statements on that conversation. Um, I think let's get into news and we'll, we'll come right back. All right. So here's your Red Radio News with Danny Abro. Red Radio News. For the students, by the students. Broadcasting live 24-7. Good afternoon. I'm Danny Abro with Studio Red. In your top story this hour, the court appearances of four officers accused of murdering Ntokosizi Ntomba last week has been delayed this morning. Ntomba has tragically... Ntomba was tragically killed when he was caught in a crossfire between police and protesting students in Bramfontein. The Independent Police Investigation Doctorate is hoping the officers will remain in custody whilst they investigate the matter. And still on the serious issue, students at campuses across the country have embarked on a national shutdown over free higher education. The situation around WITS and the University of Johannesburg remain calm as students map the way forward. It is hoped that students with historic debt would be allowed to register and continue with their studies this year. Internationally, eight people have been killed in an Atlanta shooting spree. Police have not yet offered a motive in the bloody attacks. A 21-year-old suspect was taken into custody last night after a dramatic car chase. In your weather today, Gauteng is mostly cloudy with highs of 21 degrees and lows of 14. In your coronavirus update, South Africa is currently at 1,530,966 active cases nationally with 1,458,001 full recoveries and 51,560 deaths. 157,286 people have been vaccinated to date. In your top story this hour, the court appearance of four officers accused of murdering Ntomba has been delayed. That's all for your news this hour. I'm Danny Abro. Red Radio News. For the students, by the students. Thank you. 
So as you know, we are in Human Rights Week here at Red Hill and today is part of that commemoration and, and we're looking at specifically the whole rights, uh, the whole week we're looking at human rights. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can join the Google Meets Red Radio and we'll get you in um, and you can join the conversation. Awesome. Ali, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, so just between the break, I mean, we, we get very involved in a conversation behind the scenes. And we were talking about a whole range of different issues because I think when you're talking about human rights, you can't talk about it without covering every single topic. I mean, ideally, we'd like to pinpoint one specific thing and hone in on it um, because I think there's just so much you can say about everything. But because human rights is a universal issue and you know we all have basic human rights, We've just drawn on a few specific ones. Um, obviously, we've spoken about religion, um, you know, human rights in, in contrast and comparison with specific religious texts. Mm. And now, David, you want to go on to something a little bit different, but still touching on that religious aspect, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so there are a few questions I'd like to pose. Um, just to close off on what we were talking about before. Uh, so you said that, you know, we, we have to learn from our mistakes and we have to move on, right? So then the question I pose to you is that if we have to learn, what about people who subscribe to a single religious text, whether it's the Quran, the Torah, or the Bible, right? Mm. They, they're subscribing to texts um, that are eons long, you know, yeah. and is, but it's their right to do that. It's yeah. written literally into, into the constitution that it's their right to practice that religion. Yes. So then do they also have to move on with the times? Do they also have to adapt their beliefs? And if, if, if they do, is that not a violation on their human rights as well? Mm. So, so that's very interesting. When you speak to any of the religions, they will always revert back to the orthodox side of that particular re- religion because they will say that you cannot change God's word. And this is when we come into the con- where we come into the discussion. All right, in terms of understanding, is it actually God's word, word for word? Who's going to interpret whether that was God's word or whether that was man's word who was interpreting what he thought God might want on this on on this planet? So, if we look at, for instance, a universal de- a right um, in Article 16 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, marriage shall be entered into only 
with the free and full consent of the intending spouses. Right? That could be seen as going directly against definitely within you know within within possibly islam and judaism right in terms of of those kind of things um because there are in definitely in those religions um arranged marriages your your parents mm. have an arranged marriage they arrange amongst themselves almost you're a piece of property mm. all right you get told that at birth you know we're going to look for the right partner for you depending on what family you are it was the same amongst the royal families of europe mm. you were told who you would marry because of the alliances that were going to be formed mm. Now, are those alliances more important? Again, are those group rights? So those group kind of rights of alliance for the country, what you need to do to protect the country, are those more important? Because one could argue that if a particular household married another particular household, there wouldn't be rivalry between the households, so mm. you would protect more people by doing that. Mm. But the individual rights are then done away with. So that I, I think you know, religious people have to have those discussions because you have devout um, um, uh, Muslims and you have devout Jews who will not have arranged marriages. Mm. Or will treat between, their women between each other? Or? Oh no, 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 within in, their own, fine. within their own cultures, um, and will say, "No, my daughter can marry whoever they want to." Mm -hmm. So it becomes all about interpretation of biblical texts, mm -hmm. and and that is why you know the Bible, the Quran, uh, the Torah are such interesting documents because mm -hmm. they are they are open to so much interpretation, mm -hmm. and my argument would be that how do we know what is the correct interpretation? Mm -hmm. I don't believe that any of those texts are inherently bad texts mm. or intended for bad things i think to a large extent they were intended for their times and maybe we have to also look to live in a world where we feel comfortable so if mm. we're in a particular area where certain things are happening that are not comfortable and and we have that privilege that mm. we spoke about to be able to move mm. we have to move to a place where we can live with the rights of that particular place what i think is really fascinating is you've spoken a lot about um our interpretation of religion and everyone's individual interpretation of religion. And what I find really fascinating is I view my specific religion in a very different sense to maybe the way my parents do. And I think it's a generational thing as much as it is. Um, I know we often speak about the fact that religion has is slowly fading out and a lot of people are moving away from religion because, you know, it was a text or a document that was fit for a specific time. And I think mm. we're very much moving past that time and we're evolving as human beings and evolving our rights with that that don't necessarily complement what mm. is said in those specific documents. Um, so I find it really fascinating. For me personally, it's about faith. And that's what religion boils down to. Yeah. Um, so my interpretation of the Bible could be very, very different to someone else's. But I think that's mm. what religion is. Mm. You know, fundamentally, it's having faith in something much bigger than yourself. And that's why I'm getting back to the point that I don't think religions inherently are bad. Mm. It's sometimes our interpretation of those religions. And I do think young people, if they are not forced to believe in a particular interpretation of the Bible, are slowly moving away into a more kind of modern understanding of what the Bible might mm, mean. Definitely. Um, and I think we're seeing that especially amongst younger people who are in more liberal, open-minded mm. schools and environments. Mm, definitely. I think that's very interesting because you both brought up that conflict of belief, right? So who interprets which text differently? Um, and it brought to mind, I've been watching a lot of TikTok recently. It brought to mind a TikTok I was watching a few days ago where it was this woman from the eastern part of the world. I'm not sure which country, but she was disowned by her, her parents because she didn't want an arranged marriage and she got married to a white man. Um, 
And so I think that conflict of belief really does like, it has the power to ruin lives, it has the power to change lives, um, maybe make lives better. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, how people interpret different texts um, really is quite an interesting thing. But then whose text, whose interpretation is correct? Exactly. You know? it's, so, it's, it's always going to, that, that's, that, that is why I'm not sure we can ever get to a universal declaration of human rights mm-hmm. that everybody's going to agree. And my, my, my problem with that is, and I'm not saying it's meant in a bad way, but I, I do think that b- biblical texts and Bibles, tor- uh, Torahs, Korans, etc., can be used to perpetuate pr- certain privilege. Mm-hmm. We saw that definitely in South Africa, how the Bible was used to perpetuate white privilege. Mm. And I'm sure that people in power, if we, if, even if, we, if you go back to the time of the kings of, of Europe, right, their understanding of the Bible was that they were put there by the right of God. Mm. Mm. So how could you ever question their right to be in authority? Mm. You can't question God. Mm. So what better way to say, I'm here because... But we also know that the church and the state worked hand in hand to empower each other, right? So it depends on how... uh, uh, Biblical texts can be used for incredible good, but it can also be used to perpetuate privilege, Definitely. whether it be racial privilege, economic privilege, or, or any other kind of privilege. The um, Archbishop, Arch, ooh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu wrote a book called No Future Without Forgiveness. Um, and Archbishop Desmond, do I say Archbishop Desmond Tutu or just Desmond Tutu? Which one? I think politically correct would be Archbishop, but I, I think we all just call him okay. Desmond Tutu. You say Desmond Tutu, okay. Um, he was the head of the Truth and Reconciliation Committee. Um, and we had a lot of discussion about this in, in history recently because we've been studying it, studying it. And the, the, ho- the whole conversation was around, was it right for Archbishop Desmond Tutu to expect black people or people of color yeah, to, to forgive um, what has happened to them, what has happened to their families because of apartheid, right? Because Desmond Tutu almost expected them to forgive and to move on, right? Mm. And he was the head of this committee that people would come to and air their grievances. So let's say, for example, my family was disenfranchised because of apartheid and my mother was killed. And, for example, say I'm a Catholic or I'm a Christian and I come to the the TRC and I tell them everything that's happened to me, um, who the killer was, who killed my mom and and what has happened, right, To to air my pain. And my mother's killer also comes and confesses the truth, um, doesn't express remorse, and they're granted amnesty. But is that, is that right? Because I don't want my, my, my mother's killer to go and walk free, but that decision has been made for me, right? Is that not a violation on my, on my right as a human being? I mean, that's definitely a valid point. But I think what's important is when we're talking about the TRC, and not to sound like our teacher, Miss Malinga, but obviously... The aim of the TRC was not to create a happy, a happy place, but instead to understand what happened during apartheid. And so as much as it was for people to come and tell the truth, it was merely the truth and not so much the truth. You know, recon- I mean, it was about reconciliation, but that wasn't the focus. It was mm. to understand what happened during apartheid. Sure. And so, you know, when we're talking about amnesty and we're talking about remorse and, you know, Peace and reconciliation. I think it's a very, it's hard to tie in the human right to that mm. because that wasn't the purpose of the TRC. Fine. And okay. so to separate the two, I think, is a very valid point to make. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, not, I to, not yeah. to sound like our discursive <laughs> no, essay topic. But, so, but I think there's, a, there's an interesting there as well. Again, we look at these group rights versus individual rights. So, you know, 
the, the idea of the TRC also was that it might heal people mm. and it might heal groups and it might not create a situation where there was civil war, civil strife. But as you said, David, that doesn't mean that the individual rights were taken care of. Mm. It might have said, okay, in order to protect certain groups of people, I have no doubt that in terms of white people, the TRC was great mm. because it protected white people mm. who would mm. be able to go. And in, in, in reality, it was meant to be that you got amnesty if, you could, if it was seen that you were truly remorseful. Mm. So if you really could come across and show remorse, you were given amnesty. There were many people who did not get amnesty and who were charged afterwards. So I think what Ms. Malinga said and Ali, what you said was it was a way of being able to hear the stories. Let's take now the Zondo Commission, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Nobody at the Zondo Commission can be arrested mm -hmm. for whatever they say there. Mm -hmm. It is a commission that is gathering evidence about what has taken place. Mm -hmm. What takes place after the Zondo Commission is that the police force can use that information to then go yes. and then criminally charge people. And I think that, you know, the TRC was the same type of thing. Um, after the TRC, people could be charged, especially if they weren't given amnesty. And I think amnesty was only given if you could see that there was true remorse. There mm -hmm. was certain, yeah, there was certain. I think it was also, you have to prove it was a political politically motivated act yeah. i mean there was a whole bunch of stuff that contributed towards yeah. the I mean, what would you do with soldiers for instance you know who, well this who was the whole argument you know a death in war is is not really you, you can't blame it it's war it's a war situation you know, I, you know young people you know went to the army and were told what they had to do and uh, yeah there were many there were many people who could have taken the other way out and they could have mm. said in terms of our, my own conscious i'll rather mm. sit in jail mm. Um, but there were other people who just thought, hey, these are orders. Um, and we, throughout history, we've heard of soldiers who will just say, but we were given orders. We had to obey orders. So then is justice mm. a human right, do you think? Is justice a human right? Mm. Yeah, I think it is. I think no matter what the reason that we do things for, and there, there, might, be, there might be different uh, areas, of, uh, ways of looking at it, and you might get less of punishment. Mm. But even if you are a soldier and we're given an order, I think we all know what is right and what is wrong. And we have to be accountable for the decisions that we make. Yeah. But I think that all boils back down to our conversation about religion and interpretation because mm. my right and wrong could be very different to someone yeah. else's right and wrong. Mm. Um, and so I think that's an important thing to take into consideration, especially when talking about, yeah. you know, justice and the law. Mm. And because I do think that it is a basic human right that everyone is is free before the law or something about, you know, you're, you're equal in front of the yes, law. Yes, yes, yes. You get your um, day in court. Yes, right? you get your day in court. Yeah. And so... I don't know. It's hard to sit here and talk about human rights because mm. we all have such different opinions and, you know, especially just sitting in this little red radio yeah. studio in comparison to the big world outside. But I think the difference there, Ali, is we probably wouldn't have that many differences mm -mm. of opinion because we kind of mix in the same circles. We have the same discussions. We've had the same education. So mm. we, would, we would kind of be able to sit and have a discussion and kind of come up with... with mm. But there are people all over the world who have completely different um, uh, ideas. Uh, if I could hijack maybe, um, you know, as we're getting towards the end, because I think it, it, it's just so topical at the moment. And if I could read Article 26, everyone has the right to education. Mm -hmm. Now, that, 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 that particular article is, a, is seen as a human right mm -hmm. that we have education. It does say education shall be free, at least in the elementary and fundamental stages. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I don't, I don't know what your guys are, your, 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 your views are 
on on this whole issue in South Africa at the moment of students at university not being able to get an education because they can't afford it. Mm. I mean, do you think that is something that is against their human rights? Well, this is boiling back down to that conversation about privilege and that human rights, as much as they are fundamental, you know, they protect our human dignity and, you know, they're there to protect us as human beings you only really can take advantage of your human rights if you have access to the resources. And so talking about education, it's a basic human right, but I have a very advanced human right in comparison to many other South Africans. In compar- I mean, I attend Rachel School. It's one of the top academic institutions. You know, comparing that, yes, it's a basic human right, but I think for me at least it's boiling down to privilege. And so we... we make these bold statements that all humans and all individuals, but it's not. I think that's a very interesting point um, when you talk about privilege. For me, and this is just a question I've come up in my head, when, we, when a society wants to determine what their human rights should be, um, what I would do is I would pose a question, what do we want the lives of our citizens to look like, right? So if we want the lives of our citizens or majority of our citizens to, to, to not be educated and to be struggling, then, human, then education does not have to be a human right, right? But if we want the lives of our citizens to be to people who are, who are educated, people who are able to move around freely, they're able to enjoy life and, you know, to quote uh, an American proverb, pursue happiness, um, then we should model our human rights around that visual of what we want our society to look like. Um, so I think that's a that's a very interesting point that you bring on, on on education. For me, okay, not only being an educator, but I think why it is such a an emotional topic at the moment is you've got to remember that it was through denying black people education, right, mm. that white people gained the privilege that they gained mm. because they had access to all of the education for free mm. in in most cases mm. because if you couldn't pay for it, you got it for free. Mm. But Bantu education came about not only in terms of sep- being se- separate education, it was an inferior education. Mm. Because with an inferior education, you would ensure that people could not rise up to positions that other people could 100%. rise up to. Mm. So it was something labor. that was put in fundamentally mm. to take away people's human rights. So when we see uh, people on campus, and, and you can also see how it is mainly black people that are, are on campus, um, white people to a large extent, and I, I think it goes back again to the whole idea of of privilege. When you've been given that privilege all your life and you've had access to that privilege, it's not as an emotional, it's not as emotional to you. But we need to understand what's happening on our campuses. And I suppose especially when you look at things like the amount of corruption that has taken place in this country, the billions. You know, we say Wits University is in debt of one billion. That is a drop in the ocean in terms of what government ministers mm. and corrupt people have stolen in this country to mm. take away the human rights mm. of mm. the people of this country. And so what we should be really looking at is not only are those people corrupt, but have they taken away the human rights mm. of mm. millions of people? It's very interesting. To, to link to that, I know Thomas is going to hate me, but I want to bring up one more point. Um, you know, you talk about people at the top taking away human rights for others because they're greedy, right? They, they want it for themselves. So then, um, you know, we've seen, we've seen in the world recently, everyone's been talking about the Meghan Markle interview with Oprah, right? Um, and, 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 the, and the big topic of discussion that's come up is, is the royal family racist, right? And a lot of people are saying, yes, they are inherently racist because of their past, right? Um, 
50 to 100 years ago, uh, you know, the royal family was the head of a state that held slaves. The royal family was the head of a state that um, commissioned legislation that was racist, that was oppressive. And so should that same royal family pay the price of of a society that believes something different to 50 years ago, but yeah. now we've moved into a more progressive society? And should we... Should we still blame them for that? But inherently, it is a. I mean, it's a. If if you take it, you know, for for the foreseeable future, there will be no head of state who is black mm. because that is how the royal family lineage is, mm. and that in itself is institu- institutionalized racism mm. right there. It is. It's institutionalized. It's structural. Um, on the same way that there's this very interesting concept, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Meghan Markle married into the royal family in 2018. Um, and there was this whole idea of, yay, we're bridging the, you know, the gap between America and the UK. And, you know, we now have someone of color in the royal family. And it was, again, going back to this idea of an arranged marriage type of situation. You know, there can't be any war or conflict between because now we've got this gap that's being, you know, filled. Um, so for me, it's about structural racism and how it's literally written into, you know, the UK and the monarchy is that there won't ever be someone of color. But then... Yeah. Now, 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 should that change, right? Because now we're in a society where we believe something different, mm. right? So, so should they then hold the responsibility to change the way they operate because the way they operate um, is a way that was accepted 100 years ago. For example, um, the diamonds on the Queen's head, they're not from the UK, they're right? From they South were, Africa. They were, and they were stolen, right? They weren't taken rightfully. So, and back then, the people who set the rules said that was okay right mm. now majority of the people and even a lot of the people who set the rules say you can't steal you can't steal what isn't yours so should should they then give those diamonds back should they then change how they operate should should they then decree that a certain amount of um that the royal family has to have you know black members or whatever yeah mm. like david I, I mean i think i think the points you're bringing up here are so important and i and I, I kind of i think this could have another discussion all on that in terms of the whole discussion around what does Europe, what does Europe owe? Um, you know, South America, Africa, Asia, in terms of the raping and the pillaging of all of those continents. And I think, I think Europe, I think its governments, I think its its monarchies need to. There needs to be a lot of reflection in terms of, you know, the the blame that they have for where we are in the world you know i keep coming back and i keep hearing these things of yeah but look what's happening and africa should do this and there should be introspection and and but nobody's not not nobody people are not looking at that sometimes you are in positions that you are because of the way and the things that other people did to you and never mind having truth and reconciliation you know kind of things within south africa i think the whole world needs to be able to look at who was to blame for what happened in the world and we have to acknowledge that and then if we have to make reparation, there's got to be reparation. But at the same time, we've got to look at the people within certain countries who are in power and know that whatever reparation is made is made for the good of the people and not for the good of the people that are gaining power because then we just per- perpetuate what has happened in the world only instead of powerful people that are white who perpetuated this, we will end up with black people who will perpetuate the same type of things that they've learned from them 
from 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 people I think, from Europe. I think at the end of the day, it's all going back to can we look back as human beings and can we reflect and can we change and can we evolve? Um, and so I think that's kind of the conclusion we've come up to on this Wednesday afternoon broadcast. But I know that Thomas is very very excited because he's got a big question to propose to us in studio. So don't leave just yet because that'll be coming up after the break. <laughs> David and Ali on the run. You in your world and I'm caught in the middle. I cut the edge of the knife and it hurts just a little. Yeah, I know and I know and I know and I know that I can be your friend. It's my head on my heart and I'm caught in the middle. By the students. This is David and Ali. Right, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this lovely Wednesday afternoon. Absolutely. It has been truly amazing. But it wouldn't be a David and Ali on the run if we didn't have our famous big question of the week. I have it so ready. <laughs> so, Thomas, can we get a drum roll, please? Yes, I can give you a drum roll. <laughs> okay, so our big question this week is who or what sponsored your 2020? Thomas... <laughs> 
Who or what sponsored my 2020? Yes. Ooh, okay, I've got a good answer for this. Okay, okay take it away. My mother's beans, roti, and hot chocolate <laughs> sponsored my 2020. I put oh. on, I think I put on about at least four kilograms in that year, and I had to work very hard to get it <laughs> off. Because when we're in online school, like, when we went to break, that was all I had, right? So at break, I'd have that, and then at dinner, I'd have that every oh, wow. single day without fail. You see, I would say it was my Netflix, my Netflix subscription that sponsored mm. my 2020. That's true. Sir, what sponsored yours? My Nutribullet. <laughs> <laughs> I decided that I needed to be healthier during uh, lockdown, Very and so I invested in <laughs> Nutribullet, and now every morning I have a whole bunch of greens that I put in, and I kind of. Spin it around and feel a hell of a lot better. Do you put like ve- do you put like spinach in your? So oh. I start. I start off. I put first. I take baby <laughs> spinach and I put that in, and then I also put in cucumber and celery. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to put avo in because it gives it a no. really good texture. No. Then for I put a bit of apple in as well, and wow. for sweetness, honey. Um, no, I don't use <gasps> honey. I use dates. Oh, um, much healthier. And then I use coconut water. See the wow. thing if I had a how do you make it into a bar then? Like do you refrigerate it or no, it's no. a smoothie. Oh a smoothie. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, look, I don't cool. know, David. It's an idea. Maybe I must put it into those things and yeah. see. Those ice cream uh, popsicles. Those ice cream popsicles and you can just but they, they taste really good. Although my partner looks at it and says he wouldn't touch it with no, a would No, me neither. Describing <laughs> it, I've never heard something more unabusive. <laughs> no, it no, says, no. You, I'm very happy for you to live to 120. <laughs> I'd rather go early and, and, and eat properly. <laughs> I mean I mean I, I think if I had one of those I'd be putting uh, ice cream and hot chocolate uh, into it, uh, so I think it would be mm. a, a bad investment. <laughs> there, there are others that are good. I mean, you can take the ones with banana and, pe- oh, and no. peanut butter oh. and those type of things, oh. and they taste great. Tom, as long as you call it a health smoothie, then your body won't realize. <laughs> yeah, you, your body won't your body realize won't that it's unhealthy. Understand that. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us on Red thank Radio you. today, oh, sir. Real it's pleasure. I, I cannot believe how quick the time went on, on yeah. a discussion like this. So, I know. Uh, you know. Uh, I, I know you guys are coming towards the end of your shows um, being in matric I've listened to quite a few of them and I, I've got to say that I found them all incredibly incredibly insightful Thank you. I Thank think you, you guys have set a an incredible bar in terms of of student radio that is you know intellectual mm. um, that deals with difficult topics and you've given people a voice and um, you know I, I know at times you know, I mean I know we're fighting this issue all the time about how we can give students more of a voice. Mm. I think you guys have, have set the bar high. You've allowed that to happen. And I'm just hoping that, you know, we can continue building off the work that you guys do. And although you, you're not finishing yet, um, I hope that um, we'll have a time where we'll be able to have you guys back on Red Radio as guest artists. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, be amazing. Be yeah. able to come back and now and again kind of yeah. do, a, do a show. So yeah. thanks, thanks for your input. And oh, I really thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. It. Hopefully it's not the last of one of our very important conversations That's that we sure. get to have. We're live on Red Radio. Send your requests through on redradio.co.za For the students, by the students. Y'all know I got it on lock. lock Lockdown got you down? Don't worry, we're about to liven it up. Lock loaded and ready to roll. I've been thinking about my father lately. The person that he made me. The person I've become. And I've been trying to fill all of this empty. Fill all of this empty 